announcement to share with all of you. We are starting the first ever One Sacred Pause Instagram Challenge. Yes, you heard right. So it starts tomorrow, Friday, August 10th. And you can find out more information on our website at the onesacredpause.com. And this is a seven-day Instagram challenge that really is focusing on this idea of how we invite radical self-inquiry into our life. So specifically, through the practices of meditation, restorative yoga, and journaling. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next seven days in this challenge. So please join us online uh, as we create and build this community of people interested in introspection and meditation together. So before I tell you how to participate and enter the contest, I want to share with you what the prize is because it's pretty spectacular and I think you're going to be interested. It is a free tuition to the Atman Yoga School's upcoming restorative yoga and yoga nidra teacher training. Ah, that's right. So amazing. So awesome. Who wants it? Uh, So it's going to be held uh, November 2nd through 4th in Oslo, Norway. And this does not include accommodation, food, necessary props, and books. But tuition is completely covered, so that is no small thing. It's a value of 4,200 Norwegian kroner. So get on Instagram. All right, so how you're going to enter, you're going to follow on Instagram, One Sacred Pause, Atman Yoga School, Jessica Windrill, that's me, Astrid Salthau, and Christine Loves Yoga. You're going to repost the graphic you find on the One Sacred Pause Instagram page. You will tag each of your entries for the seven days with the hashtags One Sacred Pause, Modern Yogi Ancient Wisdom, and Atman Yoga Tribe. And finally, for each post, you will tag and challenge two of your friends to participate and play along. All right. Can't wait to see what happens and what magic we create together as we talk about the practices of stillness and inquiry. That's it. That's all. One Sacred Pause with Jessica Windurl. Welcome, everybody, to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm sitting here with Tonya Ness, and we're going to talk about yoga, shamanism, astrology, and meditation. So let's get to it. Welcome, Tonya. Thank you. So you are the co-owner of Lila Yoga here in Oslo. That's right. And a yoga teacher, as well as many other things. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what brought you to yoga? How did you get into it? I started yoga actually a long time ago. I was only 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. And especially here in Norway, there was not much yoga at that time. Uh, I, um, I got into it because I, I've always been drawn to the spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's as an 18-year-old girl, that's what brought me into yoga, like yeah. not the fitness part or anything like that um, and I was taking the bus for one hour out to this farm <laughs> to do yoga once a week oh my gosh. Uh, and meditating looking into this candle and I remember like I was thinking at that time I was like this is kind of strange but I also kind of like it yeah um, and then after that I, I went away for school um, up north in Norway for a year, and then I started to like what we in Norway call folkhögskola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I loved yoga, so I had brought a yoga book, and I were having little yoga classes uh, in the in the gym. I was about to say gym shala, but I guess it's, <laughs> it's not really called. 
Nicola. Well, anyways, the workout room. Um, yeah, so I was doing little uh, yoga classes there with uh, some of the girls, and everyone thought like I was super weird. Um, <laughs> the weird hippie girl. The, yeah, definitely. But after that, uh, I came. I came back to Oslo. I didn't do yoga uh, that much. Like I, I started to do it a bit at the gym, but I was so disappointed that it was not mm. like the uh, the classes I had experienced before um but then like after some years it started to pick up like the classes got better the teachers got better the teacher teachers started started to be certified I mm. guess so yes. uh, it got better and then I was studying business you know for seven years the business school here in Oslo and uh, when I started to work after my my business studies it took me about like two months <laughs> <laughs> to realize that I did not like this. Um, I was working in the bank. Oh. Um, with banking, back office, contracts. Um, and my friend said, well, Tonya, you're talking about yoga all the time. So why don't you just start a yoga business instead? And I thought, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a brave jump. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have a yoga business, I need to be a yoga teacher. So I, I then at that time, like I had practiced quite a lot. So yeah, I, I found a program and signed up. And yeah, then I, I met Kelsey like uh, about at the same time. And she had a lot of the same ideas. And that's how we ended up uh, starting Lila uh, together. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah. Lila's about to celebrate five years yes. being open. Congratulations. That's, Thank you. Um, an accomplishment, I think, in any business, but specifically in the yoga industry. Um, it's Running a studio is hard work and yeah. can be really unpredictable. And especially, I think, in a community like Norway, where it's vinyasa yoga in particular is so new here. And you guys teach a lot of vinyasa. Yeah, Leela, and and you're a vinyasa teacher. Yep. Was there anything that you guys were that you remember being really scared about opening your studio, or were you just kind of so excited you're like, let's do it, and just jumped right in? There um, was definitely a lot of excitement, <laughs> and actually, like the main stress factor, yep. like around the whole opening, was more about the regulations, yeah, and stuff like that because. The studio had to be regulated to mm -hmm. practice yoga. And the people who do regulations, they didn't knew nothing about how to regulate a yoga studio. Should it be a gym? Is it like a dance studio? Is it, we have our little store and a little cafe. It's like, okay, that's different. Uh, so that was a huge process yeah. uh, and lots of paperwork. That was some sleepless nights, actually. <laughs> but with the vinyasa, we were both more excited because Norway didn't really have it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And we both loved it. And from what we'd heard from other people, they missed this more like fun and playful practice, yeah. uh, which vinyasa is. So kind of took that more like American a a approach, like where you can have a membership and do a lot of classes and, and all of that, which didn't exist in Norway at the moment. Really? Yeah. It was not like people would... Um, well, you had like Puro Dashtanga Studio. I guess they could have monthly memberships, but it was really expensive. Like yeah. it was one thousand two hundred kroner, I think. Mm. And it was only Ashtanga, right? Yeah. yeah. Like nothing else. And other than that, like people would have like these punch cards, right? Yeah. And, um, and the semesters. Yeah, I I found that a little 
just different from what I was used to when I moved here. I was like semesters. Yeah. Like, and they start and they stop and they have yeah. to push and... It's like every Wednesday, six o'clock, I'm doing yoga or... Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So then you, you know, you can do nothing else every Wednesday for the next eight weeks, right? Yeah. Which, so we wanted to take that model where we have like lots of different classes and teachers. People can buy a membership, but they can have unlimited classes yeah. per week and just like do the class they they feel for like oh my mm-hmm. body needs some yin like i'll do some yin like today i'm feeling strong i'll do some vinyasa yeah. or geomukti or something like that and it became really popular yeah yeah well it's it i mean i think it's a reflection of what vinyasa itself is which is all about freedom and it's all about yeah. choice and it's all about the individual and the membership model i think really reflects that too because and here's the other really cool thing i like about it is it builds community yeah. in a different way than a, a kush or a, a clip a court or yeah. like if you get in the routine of practice, which hopefully that's the direction we're moving in <laughs> as practitioners, hopefully it becomes a routine and, and we're going, if not every day, um, several times a week, then you start seeing the same people and then it's really fun. And you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, Hey, I saw you last week or Hey, I like your mat or starting whatever it is to start the conversation where you then start to be like, Oh, see you next week. And I really like that idea. I know I certainly feel that at Leela. you know, I think you guys have done a really good job supporting that community development. And I know for myself, it was definitely, you know, there's always cultural factors <laughs> when, <Yeah>. you, <laughs> when you move countries and, um, and even within yoga, there yeah. are cultural differences and factors. And one of the things I observed here in Norway when I first moved and I was taking class was kind of this idea of like the telephone effect. Mm-hmm. So in English, we call this game, it's a kid's game called mm-hmm. telephone where you sit in a circle and one, one person says, oh, the sky is blue. And mm-hmm. the next person says, oh, the sky is blue with green clouds. Yeah. And then it goes yeah, all the yeah. way through. I know you guys have a different name in Norway. Yeah. It, I think we call it uh, viskleken. Visk yeah, and then the, the last person says it, and it's something yeah. totally different. But it keeps building, like, on the same... Yeah. It, it, there's a common thread. And so a lot of the classes that I was going to would start exactly the same way. So mm. what that told me was that there was one teacher somewhere in Norway who yeah. started teaching their class this way. And then every student who went to their class was like, oh, this is how you do yoga. Yeah. And then they would become a teacher. And they would teach their class or start their class the exact same way. Like an example, um, starting your class in Shavasana. Yeah. Which I understand the reasoning. It's so that you have like a break between, you know, your day and the practice. But coming from the States and coming from a, a, you know, power vinyasa background, that's the opposite intention that that we have as a teacher when we start our class. Like I want to come into a class to teach and see my students talking to one another and have feel the energy up and yeah. have music in the background that's kind of creating that intention energetically that's upbeat and kind of fun and so that when we start class yeah maybe people are a little tired from their day or their week but they know what's coming yeah and it's that fun community like you you can hear the other people breathing you can feel the other people concentrating and, and working hard and then you have that fun playful element of the vinyasa yeah. and so that was for me really surprising <laughs> to see that you know, coming from from that kind of background to Norway, where a lot of the classes were starting in Shavasana. And then the teacher would come in to try and start the class. And I'm like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm ready to just stay on my mat now. I'm in Shavasana. I'm relaxed. Yeah. 
So I think that's cool because because in in Leela now you can have that upbeat feeling yeah. that I think a lot of people crave yeah. and maybe don't even know they want it. It's true. And I remember actually that, um, you know, uh, Joachim, Kelsey's fiance, I remember he commented on it like back five years ago because he had been practicing some yoga, you know, different places. And he said, it's so nice to come into your classes because everyone is laughing and talking to each yeah. other before class. Like it's not that like everyone's quiet and... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I actually never thought about it because uh, I don't know. It's uh, that to me that's very natural, and I like it. Yeah, in Mexico, I, I've been going to a power yoga studio, and it's the same. Everyone is always like chatting and laughing, and yeah, yeah well, it feels good. Class. Yeah, and it feels inclusive. And if you are a beginner and you're not sure what to expect, and you walk into a class where people are kind of chatting and it's it seems fun, it seems light. Yeah, I know for myself when I'm visiting studios. That a one hundred percent makes me feel calm, like comfortable. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know anybody, but that's okay. Yeah. Whereas if I go to a studio where it's like dead silent, yeah, and everybody's in shavasana, and it's like, oh my gosh, now I've got to walk across the room <laughs> to get my prop, my block, or my strap, and my feet, my bare feet are like, yeah. <laughs> is that quiet? I know, and I'm, I'm like, oh my god, am I disturbing people? It's just it's such a different vibe. Yeah. And no, I completely agree. <laughs> So besides vinyasa, you're doing some really cool things and, and you're bringing, I think, some new things to the Norwegian community also. So you recently, last year, right, did your um, shaman training? Yeah. Can you tell us like what that was about, what you did and what you learned and why you were attracted to that? And the reason I became attracted to it in the first place was quite a while I had been feeling that something was missing. Like I was searching for, I don't I don't know what I was searching for, but like I was searching for something. And I realized when I started to learn about shamanism that it was the connection to earth. Mm. Uh, because most of the Eastern philosophies, they reached up, yeah. you know, like towards something divine. Yeah. Um, and... Like, you are not so much your, your body, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you, you try to get rid of that whole body, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but in, in shamanism, or at least the tradition that I'm initiated into, they see the body as divine. They see it as growing, like you, like growing yourself is growing a god or a mm. goddess. So, like, they mean that you are indeed your body, and also so much more. Yeah. Right? They have a, a saying, the, the earth keepers in Peru, or like the Incas, uh, that is that you didn't only come here to grow corn, uh, you came here to grow a god. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. So that's like the, the purpose of life is that... To honor whatever experience you have here yeah. in the human form. Yeah. So, so I, I love that. It was kind of like the, the missing piece mm -hmm. for me and um, there's so many different things paths within shamanism that you can do you know like a lot of people work with the, the plant medicine yeah. you know like ayahuasca and all of that uh, for me it's the the healing yeah. the energy healing mm -hmm. um, and I've had so much amazing energy work that I for a long time I've been wanting to be able to uh, 
give that same gift mm -hmm. to other people. And especially being a yoga teacher, because you meet so many people, you know, that they come to your classes and they open up and they tell you about different things. Yes. And I know how energy medicine has helped me. And I've been wanting to, you know, instead of sending them off to like all these different people, like, oh, you should go that there, or you should see this person, or there's like a great person in Bali. And, yeah. you know, I, I could actually help them in the same way, like yeah. also outside of the yoga mat. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, what brought me brought me there. So then are you currently like offering private sessions or how? what does that look like? I do that and it can be both actually like long distance or mm -hmm. um, like face to face. But I do chakra balancing or which is also called elimination. Mm -hmm. um, soul retrievals where you go and pick up the lost pieces of your soul. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> what is it? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like what does that process look like? The belief is that you know when you're little or when you grow up you know we all get scarred mm -hmm. you know like things happen yeah and pachamama is kind of like the mother that holds us and when things happen to us we will take that piece of our soul to protect it or to heal it we send it down to the earth mm -hmm. to get healed but then we forget so there's all these little parts of our soul that we have released mm -hmm. um throughout life and so our soul is not complete i guess so to speak so in during a soul retrieval session the shaman will um journey down to the lower world mm -hmm. and visit these four different chambers and uh, it's a chamber of wounds it's a chamber of contracts mm -hmm. so where you find the contract that person has made with life yeah and you can bring it back and they get the opportunity to write a new contract. Mm, cool. Um, and then it's the chamber of gifts and the chamber of grace. The two last ones are more something you can bring, you know, into your life and meditate on or like a spirit animal, mm. things like that. Yeah. So it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And my teacher, which is uh, Alberto Vildo, he's also a psychologist. And now he's... He's quite old. He's in his late 60s or early 70s, I guess. He's been working with this since his 20s. But he said that he has seen more things happen in one soul retrieval session than years of therapy. Wow. Uh, so it's considered really, really, really powerful. Wow. Um, but it's also important, uh, you know, that it's not... It's not a quick fix. Mm -hmm. It's more the session that kind of like makes everything fall apart. Yes. You know, because it's not right. So you like, you lose your job and your boyfriend leaves. And like, you know, like it, yeah. it will just start that, that process like really quickly and really intensely. But I mean, like if you're more like on the path, it's not like ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, there's so many practices that are like that. And, you know, we have to, it requires a little bit of faith and belief that yeah. we need to have the chaos before we can have the rebirth. Yeah. And that's, you know, Shiva. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know very much about shamanism. And there are some things that are similar with yoga and Ayurveda and some things that are very different. You know, and since my background's more in Ayurveda um, and Ayurvedic medicine, I love learning about all these other healing modalities. Because my personal belief is there's so many different paths. And we yeah. all get to find the path that speaks to us. And yeah. that we connect to and resonate with the most. As long as we find something, you yeah. know, and we're not just floating through life oblivious, willing to not only embrace, but lean in to the challenges of yeah. the soul work and the spiritual work. And yeah. it takes a lot of courage to be willing to like, perhaps Definitely. have things fall apart. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the trust of belief come in that, okay, well, they're going to get better. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's only temporary. I know. And I think it's also really cool. I really like to talk about shadow work. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, where you have to be willing to go to a place that you're not quite sure what it's going to look like. Yeah. But if you're willing to, the payoff is so great. And the personal growth that comes is so powerful. I know. It's, and that's the shadow work is, in my experience, like the main part of shamanism. Um, because it's a lot darker yeah. like, than a lot of the Eastern philosophies. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah. It, it's a lot about just facing your shadow, mm-hmm. uh, embracing it and being comfortable with it. Um, in in my tradition, we have what we call a medicine wheel. Yeah, and you can like you travel around that that wheel, and it consists of four archetypes. Yeah, and and the two first ones, which is the serpent and the jaguar, they are very much the representation of shadow shadow work. Mm-hmm. The serpent represents shedding. You yeah. know, like the serpent like sheds her skin. You know, so like just letting go of everything and not like, I'm just going to get let go like a little bit and then keep this. But it's just like having the courage to, to drop it all. Yeah. Um, and the Jaguar is, is more uh, about working on everything that causes you to project. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The goal is kind of like to stop. Uh, projecting so yeah you need to know your shadow to stop doing that so yeah that's like a massive dose of responsibility yeah (laughs) so it's a tough one and then it's the hummingbird and the eagle and the hummingbird the hummingbird is my my favorite Mm -hmm. um and it's more of that you know being little and and tiny but still have the courage to just go out on an epic journey Mm. that to create that dream or like follow your heart follow that dream uh because the hummingbird you know like travels every every year we'll go from canada and like all the way down far down south yeah and it's tiny and it goes without knowing where it will get food or yeah you know where it can rest during the way but it still goes and yeah, so it's, it's hmm. that energy to just like step uh, up onto your like soul's path. Yeah. And then the eagle is transcendence. In, it's a lot more, that's more like the Eastern philosophies, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a lot uh, similar to like Buddhism or, hmm. yeah. You say flying wingtip to wingtip with spirit. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Where do you go now? From you did your, your training, your certification, you found this path that resonates with you as you become even more of a healer. And you're starting to offer courses, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm doing um, now a year-long course uh, that starts on the summer solstice. Oh, nice. Um, and it's online, so like anyone can do it. At the moment, I have 10 10 beautiful girls is going to do it. I'm super excited. And we are traveling around the medicine wheel that Mm. I I just mentioned, spending three months working on each archetype. Wow. That sounds super cool. Yeah. I think it's going to be really cool. And I know like it's super intense work. Yeah. As you can probably imagine. So having three months with each one, like you can really go deep with it. And you have time to like process and release and, and all of that so they will um 
newsletters or for each uh, archetypes, like one one each month. Yeah. Um, well, they will learn about the archetypes and all of that, and then there will be assignments that uh, like fits the archetype, and there will be healing sessions, like monthly healing sessions, mm-hmm. and um, coaching. And the different archetypes have the different healings. So like with the serpent, you do the elimination. With the jaguar, you do extraction, which is kind of like cutting away evil entities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can get stuck. Or like energy. And then the the next two, that's the hummingbird, right? Yeah. So the hummingbird is a solar triple. And then the eagle, death rites. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because a lot of the philosophy... Um, of the shaman is that life is a practice in dying mm-hmm. you know like, yeah so and that's why you want to practice all that detachment and, and letting go you know so you're not clinging to life yeah. either yeah so they have these beautiful uh, rites that they they do when someone is ready to to leave their oh, body that's cool yeah so you you kind of like unwind all the chakras you open mm-hmm. them up so they're free and then the soul can flow out through the top of your head, you know, your crown chakra. Yeah. And then they put cross over each of the chakras to kind of like seal the body. Yeah. So you were, you did this in Peru, right? That's where you trained? No, it was in Chile. Oh, yeah. cool. And how long was your training? That being said, I also had a training in, in Peru. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that was Always that. a student. That's yeah. how we have to keep it. But, but that was a, a yoga and shamanic practice so it's combining yoga and shamanism mm-hmm. yeah and then i did a, a like a pure shamanic training yeah after yeah but yeah always the student <laughs> yeah so how do you do you incorporate that into like just your regular vinyasa classes or is that something you keep kind of separate i haven't done it up and up until now like you can easily you know especially with vinyasa like you can create flows that represent the different archetypes mm-hmm. you know and bring that bring that into uh, into the yoga and also in the meditation again like the serpent is like it's the root chakra like the jaguar is the sacral chakra so you can you know draw on those energies and the yeah. poses that are connected to the chakras and and all of that so it, it's pretty easy to to bring it in yeah but i do it more um in ceremonies like if i do like now i'm gonna have my like my summer solstice yeah um ceremony on the solstice is that uh, open to anybody yeah it's open to anyone uh, and then i do about like this chanting and singing and the rattle and like all these uh, more shamanic stuff yeah. and combine it with astrology and yeah i think you should do a workshop on the ceremony yeah i think that would be really nice i would love to come to that i think yeah. that'd be so cool and there's also really nice r- rites I can give oh. uh, like for protection and like these different things oh. that are quite easy to give. It'd be amazing. Yeah. And it's, I think there's so much room here in Norway to bring in, you know, some of this other stuff Yeah, that there isn't so much of here right now. Although I will say this is kind of a funny story. So, you know, as we cross sort of outside of the traditional yoga, which I'm saying that in quotation marks, um, and get into more of these healing modalities that are perhaps not as well known. Yeah. There are certain people, or not certain people, but there are people who are like, oh my God, that's so woo-woo and that's crazy. Are you talking to the angels? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Yeah. And in my <laughs> mind, it's it's two very different types of things like shamanism or Ayurveda. Like it's ancient. 
It's yeah. established. It's um, there's protocol and the ritual and uh, everything has it's specific. Yeah. And I was at the alter. I can never say this. Alternative Mason, the alternative festival. Yeah. And I had a booth for the Atman Yoga School and I was next to somebody who was an angel card reader. And there was like a little bit of time that was slow. So we were just kind of chatting with one another. And and I was asking him about angel readings and he was asking me about yoga. And I said, oh, you know, have you ever tried yoga? He's like, no, that's too crazy. He's like, that's too far out there. I could never do yoga. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And I just like, I tried to keep a straight face and I looked at him and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, but you talk to angels and you think yoga is kind of the alternative one here. <laughs> not to, not to like yeah, yeah. say anything negative about the angel card readers or, or what they do, but I'd never really heard much about that until I moved to Norway. Yeah. And it seems to be, that's like a really popular thing here for some people. Yeah. So it's just interesting to draw that comparison between angel card reading and then talking about shamanism and, and I'd like to talk about astrology And what do you think the difference is between the more established traditions like shamanism and some of the more new age types of practices, if you think there is one? I don't know. I've never really thought about it, actually. Yeah. But I think and see from my own practices, like what attracts me, Mm -hmm. that I do most of the really old stuff. You know, like yoga has a lot of tradition. Shamanism has a lot of tradition. Astrology too has yeah. a lot of tradition. Like yeah. it's all the things like people have been doing for thousands of years, right? Yeah. I'm like, since we're talking about it, I'm thinking yeah. at the moment, but um think that appeals a lot more to me uh, than like something like new. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I always like to remind myself too, that there's a path for everybody. You know, yeah. we, we just need to find what works for us. But I just chuckle a little bit <laughs> after that experience. I was like, oh, okay, yoga's too crazy. Yeah, I guess everything's relative, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, how, does, how does the astrology tie into the shamanism or to the yoga? Or what's, what's that all about? I always really loved uh, astrology, but it's not until, like, in my late 20s, I guess, that... Uh, I started to really understand what a powerful tool it is and how much more than your horoscope yeah. <laughs> that yeah. astrology is. And for me, my my birth birth chart or the natal chart became um, a really great tool for self-acceptance. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because your natal chart is your karmic blueprint Mm -hmm. it shows you uh, not only like your personality but also what you came here to work on yeah um and you talk a lot about like good and bad aspects in your chart but the truth is that that the hard or bad aspects there they only become hard if you refuse your growth so yeah, it's such a nice tool to have and work with. And, you know, sometimes we feel super anxious and we're like, why am I so anxious? Mm-hmm. And you can go in and you can look at where the planets um, are in that exact moment or that exact day. And you can see it's like, okay, I have 
something like Pluto square my sun, that will cause tons of anxiety, mm-hmm. and it kind of calms you. It calms you down because to have a reason. Yeah, you have that reason, and you be, just be okay. I'm gonna be good, and I'm gonna work on whatever comes up because Pluto is super karmic, and like I know that what yeah. what comes up around this time is it's important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you can you can work with it in in that way, and it's really nice. And what I just found, and this is like my a new a new discovery or like something I, I learned recently. That's from one of my my favorite uh, astrologers, like old guy who's done like millions of chart readings. And I was reading his book and he says that he has never ever seen a natal chart uh, of a really spiritual person, like someone who's really pursuing the spiritual path who does not include um, one of the hard aspects. Hmm. That would be like, um, a square and a position or a conjunction um, to uh, Neptune uh, with one of the personal planets. And the personal planets are the, the inner, like Venus, Mars, uh, Mercury, and the Sun and the Moon. Hmm. Yeah. So one of those five will be in the hard aspect to Neptune on every single person who pursue uh, the spiritual path. Wow. Like, so what does that mean? Um. I'm not like sure like what exactly it means. Like yeah. my Neptune uh, is conjunct um, Mars. Mm-hmm. Neptune is a very spiritual planet. Um, he can sometimes make you a bit like foggy. Yeah. Um, but he's he also you know he represents the water, and to me the water has depth. So mm-hmm. it's about like daring to go deep and not just like swimming at the surface. Yeah. Um, it's very intuitive, very emotional, all of that. And then I have him conjunct my Mars. Mars is drive. Mm. So I can see where I get all that drive for spirituality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yogi, are you ready to deepen your yoga practice and gain the tools to confidently teach a yoga class? Join the Atman Yoga School for one of their next teacher trainings in Norway with 200 and 340 hour programs and weekend immersions offered around the country. These trainings offer an inclusive, warm, and supportive community and are designed to serve the needs of the modern yogi while honoring the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda. Check out their website today for more information on the upcoming trainings at atmanyogaschool.com. That is atman, A-T-M-A-N, yogaschool, in one word, dot com, atmanyogaschool.com. Join the tribe today. Uh, So uh, everyone's combo is uh, different. Okay, so then what does that mean? So how do we work with with the natal chart? Like you talked a little bit about how, you know, if something funky is going on and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't figure out why this is, you know, we look at the chart for guidance. Are there mm. other things that the chart helps us with? Um, in my opinion, it helps you understand yourself a lot better. It helps you accept yourself a lot more. Um I was talking about it with a, a client I did a natal chart reading uh, for yesterday. And, um, you know, how we so often are as society has thought us to be. Mm. Uh, and we f- don't feel content, right? We feel like something is missing or something is it's just a little off. And then you start to dive into your natal chart and you kind of like you find the answers, uh, like I love that part about astrology. Like when I take a, a 
person chart and I will tell them, you know, like, oh, you, I, I, I don't usually don't even know them, you know, and I'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you probably feel like this or you probably uh, feel, feel like that or um, this is probably like a big part of your life. And they will always be like so, so amazed and be like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like finally someone understands, right? And then when I can tell them that like, that's like just a part of a nature, like don't fight it, you know, work, work with it. Like, no matter what you've been taught in the past, like try to let go of that and, and rather like embrace like these these parts of yourself that you are born with. Um, yes, and, uh, there's a lot I want to talk about with that because the first point though is I think you're exactly right, and I really feel for myself, um, and I imagine you feel the same way too as as a teacher and as a guide and you know in the space of healing also with Ayurveda for me and the shamanism and natal chart reading for you, um, kind of laying that foundation for people to understand that, you know, we can't change our DNA. We can't change our karma. Well, we can't, that's a whole nother conversation, but um, there are certain (laughs) things that, you know, we have to work with. So you made that comment, like, you know, it is what it is. And yeah. in Ayurveda, we have that too with the doshic composition, like what's going to be imbalanced for me is not going to be imbalanced for you. Yeah. And so we have to really embrace the things about ourselves that maybe we don't like so much yeah. um, and understand that actually that's potential for growth when we do. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, in our modern society, it's so much amplified, like we're, we're always about, oh, the shiny, like show the, the good stuff. And mm-hmm. of course, with social media, and we're not really taught to honor the shadow side as much. True. And I think for me, that's a huge thing that I an area that I love to talk about is like, okay, well, let's, let's retrain ourselves to have perhaps a different attitude about all aspects of ourself and our humanity. And using I love all that. The, yeah, and using all of our tools at our disposal because um, the more that we learn about ourselves, actually, <laughs> the easier I think that process becomes. Yeah. As for opposed sure. to just like a superficial floating through life, like, oh, okay, I have bad days, I have good days. It's like, well, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> it takes yeah. a lifetime it to is. dive in. It is. And then the other thing, with the natal chart readings that you do, what sort of tradition is it informed by? Is it more of a Western? Is it more of an Eastern? It is a Western mm-hmm. uh, astrology. And uh, I often get the feeling, you know, like when you tell someone that something is Western, they automatically think that it's modern, you mm-hmm. know, like that, like it's like some, some sort of like modern Western thing. But I mean, it just means that it came from... Uh, the West, which will be like Rome and Greece and like all these ancient yes. <laughs> philosophers. <laughs> so it's uh, by no means a very new, like it's still very, very old, but it is here from like the European part of the world and not from like India, like the um, Vedic astrology. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more familiar with the Vedic astrology, the Jyotish, and I would actually love to come and have a, a reading with you and just see see what commonalities or what overlap there is. You know, with the, the Jyotish, the thing that you were talking about, how you have these clients and you read their natal chart and they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, how do you know that? <laughs> and they're basically yeah. a stranger <laughs> to you. That was my experience also with Jyotish. When I go and I've had readings and same thing. I don't usually know the person that well. Um, mm-hmm. And they, the things that they can tell you just based on your chart are unbelievable. Like it gives me shivers because they're so accurate. 
And the very first one I had done, this guy, he was um, telling me things I'd never told anybody in my life. And it was so crazy. And then the one thing that's super funny that I'm waiting for is he told me that I have this hidden musical talent for this one obscure instrument. And he's like, I can't tell you what instrument it is, but when you find it, you're going to like really just embrace it and be able to, to play it. And the reason this is so funny is because I have zero musical talent. <laughs> <laughs> I never played the piano. I sing off key. I can't dance to a beat. <laughs> and yet I have this hope. Like this was the first reading I got, I don't know, maybe a decade ago. And I still am holding out hope. I'm like, what's it going to be? Uh, because I have belief because every other thing he told me was so accurate. Yeah. So it's amazing. Just like you were saying that power to really learn more about ourselves and then hopefully use that in a productive way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, how should I put it? Yeah. It's, it's just like an amazing tool for learning to accept yourself as is. Um, and, uh, I, I, I definitely like to work more with the chart and like in, in that way, uh, and for personal development mm -hmm. than like, um, trying to to see the future i don't think that astrology necessarily is a very good tool for uh, telling people what will happen in the future but i think it's a very good tool to help people understand what's happening in in the present also what kind of like for them to explore uh, and dive deeper into their own personality and maybe like what more like karmic uh, work they are born uh, with into yeah. this life because it can be kind of hard it can like depending on the person like these different planetary positions can just play out in so many different ways so it can kind of be hard to to tell the future but you can mm -hmm. see like what energies will be at play and you can probably tell like okay in this period maybe you will feel you more anxious or you know, maybe something will come up that will kind of like force you to do some shadow work because that's kind of like what this or that planetary transition is about. But again, depending on like how much work you have done, it will play out differently. How much you fight against it, how much you work with it, uh, you know, it all plays in. And there's so many layers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. I think when you're talking about using it as a tool for the present moment rather than, you know, really worrying so much about future events, I think... Yeah that's such an important thing. You know, there are many people who do use astrology and Jyotish for future events. Like, okay, what's the auspicious day to get married on? What, yeah. um, you know, I've had readings that were very specific about future events. And uh, an example I was told by a reading I had with an Indian man um, who was actually brought to Utah by one of my teachers, my Ayurvedic teachers. So I really trusted what he said. And he, one of the things he's like, okay, you need to be really careful because your husband is going to have a head injury when he's 40. <laughs> and oh. I'm like, oh, okay, he's a rock climber. Maybe it's a climb, it's going to be a climbing injury. But yeah. if we put too much emphasis on those events that have not yet occurred, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. Yeah. And it's not helpful. You know, what do I do with that information? Do I come home and I tell my husband, oh, for your 40th birthday, you're getting a helmet and you're going to wear it <laughs> all the time? No, because then, you know, then maybe he's going to avoid that head injury, but it's going to create some sort of other 
um, event to occur. But, you know, I think if we just stay in the present moment, it's so much more helpful. Yeah, I really like, like with myself, if maybe suddenly I just like, there's so much going on and like anxiety rises and I'm like, what is going on? Like I will go in and I will look at my chart and I will like see where uh, the planets are at the moment, like where they are transiting my chart. And it very often it's be like, ah, so that's why, you know, like there's some sort of conjunction or square or opposition that are causing like all of this uh, friction in my life. And then you're kind of like, okay, it's going to pass. That's awesome. For for like future, uh, I mean, like you, you can see what type of like energies are at play. So like maybe if you want to plan, for example, I would probably do it. Like if I were to get married, I would look at it like in a future uh, tense uh, and just look like okay where is like a nice where just like the everything is aligned you know mm-hmm. that would be like a nice day to get married but it doesn't mean like that's the day you have to get married yes. but you can kind of like just see where you don't have like any of those crazy <laughs> more challenging uh, aspects going on yes <laughs> how often do you check your own natal chart it's usually if something like suddenly happens and start to <laughs> things start to get a little crazy I will go and I will go and check it and then I, I kind of like when I read books like what kind of book uh, astrology astrology okay. books um, yeah when I, let's say like I'm reading I've been reading recently about like the outer planets uh, which are not used in Vedic astrology actually um, but uh, so like Pluto and Uranus um neptune and uh, saturn and they're like very karmic planets and it's like in depth about these planets and how they play out uh, in the chart and like when i read that you know and read about each planet like i will really like study how that planet uh plays out in my own chart mm-hmm. um Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, because there's so many different healing modalities. And, you know, as you're talking about the outer planets, the first thing that I'm thinking of, just in context of my own experience, is um, I had a palm reading done in India. And I had a a spot that showed up on my hand just a few years ago uh, on the finger that corresponds to Saturn. So I was given uh, a mantra and some work to do with Saturn. And it's just, it's so fascinating because then it's also like, it leads into, at least from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, like what kinds of jewelry you should be wearing, what types of gemstones, what setting it's in, what finger you wear it on. All of that does correspond to the planets and the alignment and the astrology and the things that you're working with or the energies that you're working with. And I find it so fascinating because again, it's all just tools. Yeah things to help us really learn more about ourselves and be present and um, aware of what's going on. I know. It just continues to fascinate me. And the more I learn, the more fascinated I get. <laughs> yeah. I, isn't that the truth? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like a rabbit hole of wisdom and knowledge and so many things that are just, like, exciting. Yeah. Oh, God. That'd be the, that would be my dream, just to be able to be a full-time student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do training after training after training and go live in the ashrams and, you know. And, well, and I think that's super cool, too, where you've sort of done that in terms of melding these different healing traditions with the shamanism and the yoga and especially bringing that to the Nordic countries and bringing that to Norway and hopefully maybe inspiring people. To learn more about that. I hope so. And I, I see that people are, uh, they are very curious uh, about it. I get quite a lot of requests. People who want to know more. Uh, both both astrology and uh, 
and the shamanism. Yeah. Um, That's so great. Yeah. So one thing I'd like to talk about, and this sort of plays on, again, the comment you made about um, using the natal chart to stay in the present moment, Mm -hmm. because I think that's just such a, like, bam, wisdom bomb. (laughs) Oh, yeah, stay in the present moment. (laughs) And so that kind of leads us into the practices of concentration and meditation and mindfulness and trying to stay present. Yeah. What does your meditation practice look like? Or what do you like to do to help yourself concentrate and, and stay present? I really love meditation, actually. Like, I, I, it took me a long time to be able to, to sit in meditation. I've been practicing yoga for many years. And I think that, that, like, a lot of people can relate to that, that, like, to go and do a vinyasa flow is easy. To sit in meditation is something completely different. But maybe now it's, I guess now it's three years ago where I just really started to love it. I think when I am at retreats and trainings where meditation is a big part of it and like the whole energy and the setting and everything is such a magical energy I feel in these places and and then I could just like sit there forever and just feels amazing in everyday life I definitely find it harder to find the same um, like peace within uh, I, I could not sit for an hour meditate in my apartment for some reason but I like I still like to do it every morning to start my day even if it's just five minutes check in and uh, I don't necessarily need to do like any special sort of meditation I, I can like to just sit and focus on my breath and kind of visualize to just get out of the head and just come down into the body just mm-hmm. like feel grounding feeling that like heaviness yeah I will also often actually focus on the um like pulling up the energy of the earth oh, like cool. into my into my body and then pulling down the energy of the universe so I'm kind of like filling myself with the energy of the earth and the energy of the universe oh that's cool and that one I will also always do before I give a healing like energy healing for example because I just feel like it fills with me with so much I don't know like vib- vibration and you know like when you you rub your hands together mm-hmm. and then you can kind of like feel the energy field between your hands yeah. after yeah but like doing the, doing this exercise I can create that same field you know without rubbing the hands yeah uh, it just comes that whole magnetic field comes between the hands uh, just by doing that like visualizing filling your energy with all uh, your body with all that energy and then yeah you get that same energy field with, between your hands oh my without, gosh without rubbing them yeah it's yeah really cool. I can like I can feel what that would feel like yeah. <laughs> in my body I'm like oh I want that that sounds <laughs> awesome yeah. oh my gosh well and you know that's also I think a really important thing too to talk about is is when we are in the realm of healing and doing energy work, making sure that we have practices in place to contain energy, to protect ourselves, and also to protect the people we work with. It's super important. And I mean, when in the tradition uh, that I'm trained in for energy work, like we always open a sacred space. Uh, so I'll open a sacred space around myself and, and I will also take the same sacred space and kind of like, wrap it around uh, the client so Mm. we're both like this little protective bubble oh that's awesome do you do anything before you teach yoga classes do you have a little ritual or anything to to prepare your energy in that way no actually not not with the yoga with the yoga classes Mm -hmm. um in in general like when i teach yoga it almost like 
calms me down the same way as if I'm in a yoga class. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I can be like in, you know, stressed or something like that before class. But the moment I start to teach, and the moment like I start to, to try and help others, you know, to like calm down and ground themselves, like it just automatically happens uh, to to myself as well, which is very nice. <laughs> I know. I yeah, I have that same experience where it's. By the end of the class, you're like, wow, I feel like I just took a class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just from the energy, you know, not from yeah. the actual asana. But um, God, yoga works, man. That's yeah. the bottom line. All of these things work. And yes, it's, I just, I love having these conversations. And again, just, I think the more people that are talking about these things and sharing these different traditions of wisdom, I just, I think it's such a benefit to our community at large. And also having the resources to share with one another. Um, in the show notes, I'd like to include, you know, some of your favorite resources for the shamanism and the natal chart reading and, of course, um, how people can get in touch with you. Because I don't think there's too many people, you know, you and I are both based in Oslo. I don't think there are too many people in Oslo offering these types of services. Do you know of any other people? Mm. No, I would say no. Like I, I've been using a lot of people outside of the country. Um, I for sure do not know anyone who gives the same like shamanic healing yeah. uh, practices as I do. Uh, I'm sure there are some astrologers. In, yeah, I would in the that city. Would be my guess. Uh, yeah, but I didn't know if like you knew of any like no. If they were your buddies. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, and but again you know, maybe people hearing this podcast will be like, ooh, interesting, I want to learn more. And then that that interest can fuel a larger yeah. community and growth here. Yeah, that would be very nice. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome, you know, because unfortunately, I think just what you said, a lot of, if we are interested in these practices, we do have to leave the country and go yeah. somewhere else. And I think that's really unfortunate, because we should be able to have that here. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Awesome. Well, I think this is going to lead me into my final question of our podcast. Yep. And you can answer whatever you feel like. But the question is really the, the thesis of this whole podcast, One Sacred Pause, and all of these practices that eventually lead us into higher states of awareness of self and of connection to source. And um, it all starts with that one pause, that one moment of intention to align with our true north, whatever that is. So the question that encompasses that is, who or what would you be if you could get still enough and quiet enough to listen to the wisdom within? It is a big question. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, I'm thinking that and hoping <laughs> that I get closer to it every day because I just know how much, you know, I've changed during those these maybe like past seven years from where I did not listen at all and now I try and listen to as to it as much as I can and that's two very very different people um if I manage to listen even more <laughs> it's almost like it becomes some sort of divine being I mean we're already all divine uh, I guess, but maybe uh, it is. It is like a really, really hard question. But I know. I, I feel like I'm like good, good on my way as well. Yeah. Uh, and and to be like that, to like really, really listen to to all that wisdom. Um, but then again, I think as long as we are in our human form, that there will always, you know, we will always 
have doubts and fear will come up and like it, we are not meant to only have the 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 pleasant emotions mm-hmm. and to me that's one of the uh, gifts of being human to get to experience it all uh, so maybe if I was in that state I don't think I'm no longer in my human body yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know well and that's the the idea too is I mean, that is basically the big question. And, you know, I don't think we're meant to maybe even have an answer. No. Because the whole point is that's all of these practices lead up to the inquiry of that question. Yeah. You know? And it's, that's, that's one to ponder for the ages. <laughs> yes, definitely. The shamans in Peru, the one that traditional trained in, yeah. they kind of say that, uh, life is a practice in letting go to prepare us for death, mm. which is like the ultimate release. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's beautiful. I think that's that's the moment where you really get to that that state. Yeah, well, and I I'm right there with you. I actually think it's really important to spend a lot of time contemplating death. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds really dark right yeah. out of the gate, but it's it's really not. You know, if if we practice and agree with these traditions of yoga and Ayurveda and shamanism and natal charts and uh, palm reading, then actually it's, it's less scary than it might be yeah. from another perspective, because it's all, instead of looking at the micro view of the ego of like me, me, me here in 2018 in this body, yeah. you know, of course there's always going to be attachment and like, it's not like, Oh, you know, I'm going to die. Okay. No big deal. No, of course we're always going to have that, that level of attachment, but maybe there's a little bit more of an ease <laughs> in the process, yeah. understanding that this isn't it. Like we have many, many, many more carnations, you know, or lifetimes yeah. to go through. And it's all about the soul. It's not about, you know, the physical cellular exactly. makeup. Yeah. And your soul doesn't die. So. No, no. <laughs> it just takes another round on the merry-go-round. Yes. <laughs> another turn. Yeah exactly gosh oh my gosh well that's another conversation for another day I would love to talk more about that because again it's one of those conversations that I think can be a little um off-putting to some people but it's so important and it's so juicy and full of depth and again just another tool of understanding of self I agree with you (laughs) yes okay well Tonya thank you so much for joining me it was so fun to talk about uh, these different practices and um, yeah I just I really enjoyed it thanks for having me yes all right well we'll talk soon we will all right all right bye